You're about to listen to the Healthy Church Growth Show with me, Madge Abasaki, minister, author, and visionary of growthechurchnow.com. I'm also known as the Healthy Church Growth Advocate. My guests on this show are fellow ministers, church leaders, and experts in their field. We'll share practical tips to address challenges and provide solutions for the church at large every Monday. Enjoy the show and let me know what you think. This episode happens to coincide with the Mental Health Month and Mental Health Week. So next week, I'll be talking to Reverend Sharon Townsend and Dorothy Dwyer. They're founders of Living Loss, and they will be talking about their work with churches to support people who've experienced loss and how it impacts mental health. But today, you're about to hear a discussion I had with Patrick Regan from Kintsugi Hope. It's a non-profit who train organisations to deal with mental health. Now, you'll hear him talk about the aftermath of lockdown and why we might see a spike in mental health issues, churches and the theological approach to mental health, who should be ministering to the minister, and why people said they'd never read a book from a Christian that is honest. You do not want to miss this. Here's my conversation with Patrick Regan, OBE. With me, and today I'm so honoured to have with me Patrick Regan. And um, he's from Kintsugi, and uh, I want him to explain what that is. But hello, Patrick. Hey, it's really lovely to be with you. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, we're going to be talking and focusing on mental health. And um, I don't know, do you call yourself a mental health champion? Uh, champion, yes. I, I try and champion good mental health. I wouldn't call myself a mental health expert, I think. Um, I think everyone has mental health the way they have physical health. And I think we want to champion positive mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take me through the journey. You are the direct CEO of Kinsuke. CEO, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. CEO. And um, tell me what that word means. It's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I, hope. What does that mean? Well, um, kintsugi is a Japanese word and it means golden joinery. So I've got my little bowl here. So if you get a bowl and you break it, there's a break yeah. here, um, yeah. you mend it with super glue. Yeah. And the whole idea of super glue is it hides the cracks. So what they do in Japan is they put a gold powder in the glue. So instead of hiding the cracks, they make a feature of the cracks. Oh, Arguably beautiful. the object becomes more unique for being broken and uh, it certainly becomes more beautiful and the whole thing about kintsugi is that um beauty comes from brokenness that we shouldn't be ashamed of our scars our scars make us for who we are and they make everyone unique there isn't a bowl like this on planet earth so instead of just disregarding a bro- something broken which often many of us would do it's saying that god always brings beauty out of brokenness and mm-hmm. the picture behind me um someone painted this while i was preaching actually and uh, um, and you know, and I was talking about mental health, talking about beauty out of brokenness, talking about um, how God can meet uh, in our scars, and how the fact that even after His resurrection, Jesus still had scars. Um, Jesus has scars in heaven, 
and uh, and they're not to be ashamed of. So, and she painted that as I was speaking, and then I turned around and I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. So I've got it up in my office now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was immediately attracted to that because I, I like art anyway, and that's that's beautiful. Actually, I do have a picture and it got an amazing, uh, and I didn't actually realize it was this kintsugi, and it was a bowl that was broken, put back together again with lots of plants coming out of it. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. So I, I'll use that as part of the episode's artwork. Oh, so um, Kensugi Hope, what, what do you actually do uh, within the organisation? You're a charity, are you? Non-profit? Yeah, so the whole aim of Kensugi Hope is to create safe and supportive spaces for those that are struggling with emotional and mental health challenges. Right. Um, we really want to see a world where people, you know, emotional and mental health is understood and accepted. Mm and people mm. can grow and flourish. And the way we do that is we train churches up to run like a 12 week program to do mm. with wellbeing. And right. uh, we studied movements a lot. We studied a lot of, did a lot of research and it felt like everyone was raising the awareness of mental health. Mm. No one had many tools to know what to do about it. Um, you know, I've had the privilege of meeting the Royals a number of times and they'd created awareness, yeah you know, the two year waiting lists um, at some of the doctors. And, uh, and so we really wanted to provide churches with tools on how they can help people. So we, we train churches up across the UK uh, to run wellbeing groups. They're all running on Zoom at the moment, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, they were run, running face to face. And there's, there's so many of them going on. And it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. Um, people of faith, people of no faith, looking at issues around anger, self-acceptance, honesty, forgiveness, resilience. And, uh, and yeah, so it's been incredible. And I, I do a lot of writing and a lot of speaking as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and quite a lot of media stuff. So it's, it's been, it's quite an interesting journey to be on at the moment. And um, you don't just operate here in the UK. Is, is it um, in other countries as well? Well, it's interesting. We, we've been approached by quite a few other countries, actually, and we're exploring at the moment what that looks like, um, just because we have to be very clear on safeguarding and mm. the correct policies being in place. Um, we support a charity in Jamaica, in Trenchtown. Mm. Um, I've been to Trenchtown many times, and mm. uh, um, so we support a charity over there. I've been to Ghana 10 times. I feel like I'm half Ghanaian and uh, <laughs> Ghana is like the place I've been the most I love Ghana um, and yeah. we've got a charity over there that we support as well so yeah. so yeah we hope that it can expand we've had inquiries from Australia from Holland and, and other places so yeah 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 well that that's it you know spread the name abroad so um why did you actually start Kintsugi what 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 was the 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 main driver um, well, I was running a really large charity, and uh, which was going, it's going really, really well. And, um, you know, everything seemed to go wrong in my life at once. I call it a perfect storm, you know. Mm. And uh, there used to be a game when I was growing up called Tetris. And it was a computer game. And all these little things, they fall um, from the sky. And, uh, um, and you're meant to get them in a straight line. And when they're all in a straight line, the line disappears. But they just keep coming. And it felt like life sometimes can feel like a game of Tetris. Like it just keeps coming so quickly. My dad got cancer and my kids got really sick. I got diagnosed with a degenerative knee condition. 
which meant I need to get both my legs broken in three places and have a big external frame uh, attached to my bones. And the frame would be on six to 18 months on each leg. And, and it just felt like I just started to really struggle with anxiety. And, and I found in the church, there wasn't anywhere I could really go to talk about it because it's one of those subjects you don't often hear preached about. You don't often hear talked about. And there's some really poor theology about it, if I'm honest. And so, um, I wrote a book called When Faith Gets Shaken mm. and the book sold so well. But what happened was, is people were like, I've never read anything from a Christian before that's so honest. And, uh, and I had so many emails and so many um, messages that we felt, I feel like God's breaking my heart for this new area around emotional and mental well-being. And, uh, and so it came out of our story and I started to tour around the UK um, talking about it. And again, the response was, incredible i said we'll probably do four evenings we ended up doing 40 um wow. because people were just wanting to talk about this stuff um so yeah it's been it's been a roller coaster the last two years but incredible so kensugi is two years but before that you had xlp which um you yeah. were serving uh it is an urban um culture the the kind of gal gang culture and trying to break that is that right yeah, I started XLP 22 years ago after a stabbing in my local school. And so um, XLP really was designed to work in urban communities to support vulnerable young people through lots of intervention programs, um, mentoring, arts programs, community buses. Um, and I sort of saw firsthand the effect of poor mental health. Um, mm. I, I saw firsthand the effect of trauma. You know, we had a lot of kids who um, had been stabbed or uh, knew someone who'd been stabbed. Mm. Um, I remember a 15 year old girl who hung herself in the school toilets, um, okay. completed a suicide. So there was huge issues. And again, not enough support for these kids. So we tried to do our best in XLP to support these guys. And, and yeah. in Kintsugi Hope now, we run a whole youth department which is geared up for supporting young people. Right. So do you still, are you CEO of both or have you moved on? From no, 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 I've moved on, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's only so many hours in the day, you know. Exactly, yeah. And I, I guess um, going back to what you were talking about, about some of the traumas, your father dying, um, health issues in the family and yourself, um, changes and everything. So that you, you talked about anxiety and how did that manifest? I think anxiety is very different for different people. Mm. Um, I think for me, it was, um, I was very worried about my health and the problems that I was going through in my, my, you know, with my operations and stuff. And I think people say that most anxiety can connect into two different ways, really. Is one is people either have the fear of death um, um, or fear of people. So, you know, a lot of people get a headache and you think, oh no, it's a brain tumor. And then you'll go to the internet and you'll start Googling it. Um, and then you come up with a really rare disease that no one's ever heard of. When you think you've got that, you know. Um, other people are always worried about and concerned about what other people think about them all the time. Mm. Um, so it's called the DP rule. Um, you know, it, most anxieties can be led to that sort of thing. But people with anxiety, they're not weak people. And I think that's the challenge. People with anxiety, um are often very sensitive very caring and to turn up and do things with anxiety is actually takes incredible courage 
And I think sometimes in church, we've just made them feel a bit guilty, whereas um, instead of treating it with compassion and, uh, and love, and, uh, and I think that's really, really, really important. In fact, you know, if you think about it, we all need anxiety. Everyone has anxiety. Yeah, um, it's certainly. a bit like a car alarm. You know, mm. if, you, if your car alarm is going off all the time, it's a bit annoying. Um, but you want the car alarm to be there. And so it's learning how to control the anxiety so it's not affecting you and affecting everyone else. And I Absolutely. think that's what a lot of people are, are trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I would concur with that. You know, we, we've all gone through um, anxiety. I certainly have. Um, and particularly in this season. And, you know, I better date stamp this because we're in um, the second week in May. Um, yeah. And we're in the UK. We're still in lockdown. I noticed New Zealand's out, uh, sort of out of it now, and other countries are gradually coming out of it. But there's still the anxiety: of, Am I, I going to be safe out there with this, you know, yeah. silence killer for some people? You mentioned theology, particularly with um, churches, and how you feel they get it wrong. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think sometimes. Um, churches can be wonderful safe places uh, but sometimes i think that we tell people that if they're struggling with anxiety that they just need to pray a bit more or um, as if they've never thought of that <laughs> yeah um and or it's some um, something they've done wrong some hidden sin yeah. or it's um uh you know and and i think that that is unhelpful you know um mm. or pray harder as i mean it, it's not helpful and uh, and I think there is a stigma that's attached to mental health and we all have physical health um, and we all have mental health, mm. you know, um, and we all have emotional health and mm. we wouldn't dream of being embarrassed if we've got a bad leg or a bad back. And in fact, we talk about physical health a lot um, in, in the church, um, but mental health, um, we don't talk about as much. And yet it affects everyone and particularly in the coronavirus at the moment, you know, it is a very anxious time. There are lots of people not knowing um, what's going to happen and, and their coping mechanisms of seeing family and friends and going out and exercising and being in social groups and going to church. They can't do that anymore. So they have to find a different way of coping. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important as churches that we're incredibly sensitive to people who are struggling at the moment. So um, you talked about um, the pandemic, the uh, coronavirus and lockdown and, you know, people not being able to do the social things they used to do. Have you got any examples that have come up over the last, I think it's eight weeks now since we've been in lockdown. Um, yeah, yeah, it's literally eight weeks now. Um, have you got any examples of how that's manifested in the people that you work with within your organisation? Well, I mean, we, we work with, you know, everyone, like the people in the Kintsugi Hope Groups are sort of from all over the country. And, and I, think, I think the challenge is, is that people are incredibly exhausted now. You know, it's um, our young people, if you think about it, um, the longest they've ever spent out of school is six weeks. Yeah. Um, and now they're having to navigate a new normal. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've got four kids and I remember at the end of the summer holidays, all the parents go, oh, thank goodness the kids are going back to school. I'm exhausted. Um, well, there's been eight weeks when I haven't been at school and parents have been put under pressure to homeschool and carry on their jobs. I think we've seen a rise in domestic violence, 
25% now yeah. rise in domestic violence, um, yeah. which is huge, you know. Yeah. Um, we've also seen um, massive, and poverty as well. I think poverty is going to be a huge issue because people are worried about their livelihoods, their jobs, and poverty mm -hmm. and mental health, they, they sort of go hand in hand. You know, that anxiety, um, not sleeping. You know, I've often said to people, if you've had a sleepless night, mm. that's a mental health issue because your brain yeah. can't turn off. Um, yeah. So we need to stop the stigma and say it affects everyone. Um, so it is a really tough time at the moment for so yeah. many folk. And but most of the research says that it's when you come out of lockdown that actually the tsunami of mental health challenges will, will hit. happen. Mm. It's a bit like after a war, you know, um, after war, you get soldiers who get PTSD and mm. all those sort of things. And so we don't want to be a prophet of doom, but at the same time, mm. I'm saying to the church, you know what? You need mm. to get trained in this. You need to accept the reality of the situation. You never get free from not accepting what doesn't, you know, what exists. And um, that's denial. Yeah. That doesn't help anyone. No. And uh, so we need to accept what's going on and uh, be ready to help and support people in this area. I mean, as much as um, this show is all about uh, helping church leaders through some of the challenges that they're facing and finding solutions by speaking to experts in their area. And, you know, as much as we want to give leaders tools, they need tools for themselves as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, and ha have, you, have you encountered without obviously particular cases, have you encountered that leaders themselves are struggling to, to deal, deal with this whole thing? hundred percent most leaders i know have struggled with mental health and told no one that's wow. the reality wow. um and i get emails all the time mm. um and we have to change that culture and most leaders a lot of leaders i know they mm. um they go through burnout which again is a mental health thing they're just working too hard and mm. uh, and they burn out and they're struggling to relate um, and again, there's not that support structure around. I mean, I've just literally done a talk on YouTube this afternoon for the group of Elam churches um, called mm. Leading When You're Not Okay. I saw and, that. Uh, and I saw talking too, about, too. Yeah. Mm. yeah, talking about how we lead and how we need to change the culture of leadership to much more courage, vulnerability, um, and we need to, to be able to look after leaders in terms of their own well-being as well. You know, it's interesting. Um, uh, my wife in one of my books wrote a chapter called Secondhand Smoke. And the whole idea is secondhand smoke can still kill you. Mm. And for a lot of leaders, they're listening to people's problems all the time. They're trying to be there for them. They're trying to care for them. And, uh, and it's not them that are going through the issue, but they are affected by it. Because some of the issues you listen to, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to be affected by it. Mm. Um, but if you don't process that, then it does start to affect your own mental health and hence secondhand smoke can still kill you. So we have to have a culture where we're supporting leaders and in their own emotional mental health, as well as um, helping them support others. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like who ministers to the minister really. That's yeah, what, yeah, you know, I yeah. think everybody needs um, somebody, you know, whether it's a mentor, I have to tell you and share with you that I went through burnout, not once, but twice um, while serving. I've been a believer for 27 years now. And um, 
I remember, you know, that there was, there was a preaching that said, you know, your gift will make room for you. And because mm -hmm. I believe that, I decided to work because I thought um, mm -hmm. I would gain my salvation by working harder than everybody else. And I got that sort of personality anyway. So yeah, I yeah. worked and I worked to a level that I feel I want to attain excellence. And when people saw that, they gave me more to do and they saw I was very capable. I did not uh, ever say I can't do it anymore. And, and you know, the whole thing unraveled and um, burnt yeah. out. It took two years to come out of that yeah. and then the whole cycle started again. And it was only the second time that I realized um, what I was doing from talking to people and um, and I think that was the birth of my ministry funnily enough um, so yeah I, I, I know that leaders can um, but you know it's hard Patrick don't you think for people to admit that um, for instance I'm of a generation where we were never encouraged to share it's not like uh, Generation Z or um, perhaps the millennials who are kind of 35 and below, who are younger and actually used to reality TV and lots of social media. I didn't grow up in that age. So what do you say to people like that? I mean, it's d difficult for them to change, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is difficult, but it, it is important. And, uh, you know, um, Brene Brown, who's done a lot of research in this, says that we are living in the most medicated, addicted, obese cohort in the whole of history. Wow. Um, so not talking hasn't worked out very well for us. No. <laughs> um, and modeling that to, you know, the younger generation is, is no good. Um, and so, like you say, we've got to find someone we trust and someone we can talk to mm. and uh, someone that will give us empathy and understanding um, because I think the challenge, if you struggle, what you don't want to be is judged. And I think that's why people don't talk, is they're scared yeah. of people's judgment. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you just look at the ministry of Jesus, you know, he just dealt with so many things and were, with so many people who were so broken and he didn't judge them. You know, he saw, he saw what they were, their sin as something that was destroying them, but he, he just loved this person so much. And, uh, and I think we've got a lot to learn. Um, one of my favorite stories is the road to Emmaus and, mm. uh, I think after Jesus' resurrection, he could have done so much. He could have had a big meeting with 5,000 mm. people. Mm. Um, but what he did is he spent the morning with two heartbroken, disillusioned, um, confused, frustrated people um, who thought that the Messiah was going to be a military Messiah, who's going to bring you know, glory back to Israel and the Romans were going to get kicked out of Jerusalem. And they had that vision. And... Uh, and the interesting thing about that story is Jesus listened and at not one point did he butt in and go, guys, it's all okay. I'm Jesus. It's okay. We don't need to have this conversation. He listened. And then when they'd finished telling their story, he still didn't butt in then. He started telling the bigger story of the prophets and, and how they were part of this bigger picture. Yeah. And actually, they would have been familiar with the verses in Isaiah that talked about the suffering servant, but they never put two and two together. And, uh, and I just think that's amazing. I think it talks about values, that Jesus' priority was a peasant couple that no one else probably was that concerned about. Um, he journeyed with them, and then at the end of their time together, they broke bread, and the brokenness revealed who Jesus was. And, and I think that's that thing about 
not fixing people, but walking alongside, mm. journeying with people in mm. their pain. Mm. And, uh, and we all need a couple of people that will be willing to do that with us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, identifying them is an, uh, an issue. But of course, that's what partly your organisation is all about, um, you know, training. So there's two parts to this. First of all, I uh, because um, John Maxwell always talks about, you know, things rise and fall on leadership. I know it's often quoted, but it's actually quite accurate because if the leader's not right, they kind of set the temperature for everything else. So first of all, you know, we, we need to find somebody to trust. And if we don't have that, what can we do? I know that you offer training. Tell me a little bit more about that and how it might actually work into um, a typical church leader's life? Yeah, well, um, we, what we do is um, we train uh, leaders up to basically uh, run the 12-week program uh, on emotional mental well-being. So churches mm. apply to us. Um, we do some due diligence checks, so we have to check safeguarding and, and, you know, DBS checks and to make sure that the church have got all those things in place. Um, unfortunately, some churches don't, um, and that's actually illegal, so we have to um, sort that out um, to make sure they do. Um, and then we take up some references, and, and then there's an online training where people get trained up and to deliver the 12-week program. And, uh, and, then, um, and then it's the 12, yeah, and then my wife actually, she does a training on each week via Facebook Live. So all the leaders come on together, it's great fun, and they look at different subjects each week. And uh, she wrote the course in learning styles because she realized that not everyone learns the same way. No. Um, no and don't. so um, sometimes it's creative, um, sometimes it's videos, sometimes it's discussion, sometimes it's study. Um, and it's more what's the appropriate way of the group, you know. And it was interesting before lockdown, we were finding that so many people uh, of faith and no faith were wanting to come to the groups. You know, we had them starting in going to start in places like the farming community because farmers um suicide is massive amongst farmers um oh, why is and, that uh, uh it's partly because um the unpredictability of um the weather and the crops and the animals um it's very lonely it's very isolated right um they couldn't possibly get to church um in a lot of cases um so it's a very very difficult time we were seeing them starting in prisons and in schools and in coffee shops, and we were seeing them start uh, for ladies who've been going through postnatal depression. One in five ladies go through postnatal depression, but as a church, we don't really offer too much in that situation. So they were starting to do the course, um, which was incredible. And uh, and so I think it just hit a need where people were like, um, it wasn't like uh, medical expert help, you know. Uh, I've often said to people, if someone's got cancer, you would expect the medical professionals to offer chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and the medical intervention. But for someone to get better from cancer, they also need the love, the support, and the community around them. And that's what the church can do. Um, we're not there to replace medical professionals. We're there to support the individual. And, uh, and I think that's so important. So I, I always think it's a bit like Weight Watchers for Wellbeing. You, know? <laughs> you get some tools, you get some friends, and you go on a journey together. But what's lovely about doing it in the church is after 12 weeks, a lot of the non-Christians go, oh, I quite like this, I might stay, is that okay? Ooh. I remember one of my friends said, um, uh, 
do you mind if I stay? And I was like, yeah, of course. But next week we're going to study the book of Jonah. And she was like, who's Jonah? And because uh, you're not a church person at all. And uh, I started to describe the story. And she goes, sounds a bit confusing, but I'm going to come anyway because I love this group. Um, oh, wow. Some situations, you know, you belong before you believe. And, and I think that's Jesus' model. You know, he took 12 people on a journey with them. They didn't really understand who he was until after his resurrection. Mm. Um, and so we got a journey with people in their times of distress and confusion. Well, what's surprising there is that um, it's almost an a, a unwitting evangelism tool, which is 100%. amazing. Yeah, 100%. Because I think people always connect more with your scars than they do your success stories. Yeah, I agree. I and, agree. you know, and so often the temptation is in big meetings is we always tell the show reel. Here's all the showcase stories. Um, but actually how we deal with suffering, you know, how you deal with bereavement, how you deal with pain, um, family members who are not going on, with, how we, that speaks volumes to people. Um, mm. And I think that we need to have more reality in our speaking. Hmm. So, um, okay, so the leaders have had access to training and uh, surprisingly there have been non-believers um, within these groups, but the leaders of the churches have accessed the training. So how do you equip them to go back to their congregations and work with them? Um, so what they do is once they've done the online training is they then set themselves up a group. At the moment it's by Zoom. <laughs> Um, so they may have 12 people on Zoom who they're going to be working with around emotional mental well-being. Um, and then what we would do is we'll provide training each week um, and, uh, and hopefully um, support them that way so they know what to do. Okay, so let me just give an example. Um, like, for instance, I, I went through burnout myself and it had quite a few... Um, there were quite a few things that came out of that. Yeah. So if I uh, were attending an assembly um, with a church leader who'd been on your training, what yeah. would they yeah. do for me coming back into their own church? If you, if you came on the training or if... No, if, 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 if I was a member of the congregation yeah. and the church leader... Um, came back having done your training what would they be able yeah. to do for me as a member of their congregation yeah well they they only do the training if they're going to run a group um i oh, say so so, it's a group oh it's a group yeah. technique yeah. i see i see yeah so what they would do so what yeah. we say to churches is um actually most churches have small groups and uh, yeah. and so why don't you train up your small group leaders to deliver this to your small group right. but also right. invite neighbors along and friends so my yeah. I, I did it in my small group our small group trebled in size and a third of them were non-christians who came along yeah. um and we prayed at the beginning we talked about all sorts of things um we talked about forgiveness it was yeah. funny actually on the week on forgiveness a friend who wasn't a christian she went um you christians you have to forgive everyone don't you can yeah. you explain that to the rest of us? <laughs> yeah. So I looked at my wife and said, I think that's a really good point. You should explain it. And, uh, um, and so that's the idea, you know, is that we train the leaders to then deliver 
um, the material in small groups and yeah. uh, and invite neighbours along where they can as well. I see. Um, but so it's, at the moment it's all happening on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, group group technique is particularly powerful. Um, I'm a facilitator and a trainer myself, so I know how powerful it can be. People feel that they are able to draw off. Now, you, you wrote a book, um, your latest book called Honesty Over Silence. Um, what's the type? Why, why that title? Because it sounds really intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I wrote an article in a, in a Christian magazine that talked around this whole area of emotional mental health. And uh, I remember someone replied back going, thank you for choosing Honesty Over Silence. Um, because I think a lot of the times we keep silent about some of the struggles that we're going through and uh, we keep hidden. You know, there's a research professor in the States called Brene Brown and she says that um, shame, shame is what we, we feel ashamed sometimes. So we don't talk. And she says, you know, shame loves silence, secrecy and judgment. Yeah. And, uh, and to actually step out of shame is about owning your story. Mm. Um, because shame tells you that you're wrong, there's something wrong with you. And the word guilt is, I've done something wrong, I should feel guilty. Shame is, you're wrong. And uh, she says, you know, shame has two voices. Who do you think you are and you're not enough? And, uh, but shame cannot stand empathy and understanding and being spoken about and coming out of the shadows and being real. And so honestly, Out of Silence, the book that I wrote, um, was really about let's look at those things and and the mm. book divides in two the, the first section of the book is around what do we need to let go of in order to be free and yeah. uh um so we look at letting go of the clock letting go of anxiety letting go of stigma letting go mm. of pain and then the second part of the book is um who do we want to be and it talks about being still being mm. in community being authentic being hopeful um because we let go in order to be and, and I think it's all of us learning what do we need to let go of in order to be more like Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the, the premise of the book, really. Fantastic. So I'm going to ask you, and a lot of people ask this question, and it's almost like force of habit. But I actually mean, how are you at the moment? Um, I, I guess that at the moment, I, I think this is a weird time. It depends what hour you ask me. <laughs> um, because like um, being at home with the four kids is a challenge. I mean, I love my kids. Are you homeschooling? Um, yeah, we're homeschooling. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my kids has got additional needs. So she needs one to one. Oh, wow. Um, and so that's quite tough. Mm. Um, my daughter's working in a care home. So she's a key worker. Um, my sister's an ITU nurse. Um, so she's on the front line. My mum's a nurse. Wow. So, um, wow. it depends, you know, it really depends. And I think a lot of people are, are feeling that at the moment. They're fluctuating up and down um, in terms of um, how they are, you know. I feel generally quite tired. I think it's interesting. I think Zoom calls do can make people quite tired. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so I do feel quite tired. And the charity... Um, like I say, it's, it's more needed than ever at the moment. So we're signing up new churches every single day. Um, so it's been an interesting... Feeling all right at the moment because I'm talking to you, but Aww. maybe in half an hour's time I'll be... Um... 
<laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time because I, I absolutely know how busy you are. You're all over um, the internet, you know, blowing it up with, um, you know, the things you're doing. I, I, I watched the LM um, series or watched two of uh, them yeah. so far. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get hold of the book and you know there's lots of things that I can see you're doing and I I'm really really thankful for your life and um, you know and I pray for safety for all your family wherever they are and that you don't have to be too too much in the the, the zone of anxiety so um, finally I want to ask you because um, you're a great resource for churches wherever they are in the UK at the moment and possibly um, later on abroad. So um, where can people get in touch with uh, Kitsugi to find out more about this resource? Yeah, I mean, there's two. There's, the, the main way is through our website, which is www.kitsugihope.com. Yeah. Um, Kitsugi is K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Um, everything's on there. Um, also on there, if there are people who are listening to this going, I'm struggling. Um, yeah. There's also linked link to um, Christian counselling organisations, um, other charities that work mm. in this area under mm. a support page. Um, and because we realise that people might be listening and might want to talk to someone. So there's, there's that there as well. So people mm. can do both. Yeah, I think that's um, that that's really useful. And actually, it'll be in the show notes as well. Um, right. So finally, I just want to ask you um, who ministers to the minister, because, of course, I've heard you preach as well. So do you actually have um, a mentor, a counsellor that you can go to, um, to to take some of the slack off? Yeah, I think it's really important that leaders have a number of things as a safety net, really. Um, and so my chair of trustees is brilliant. So I will talk to him every week. Um, he's an older man who's led massive organizations, got so much wisdom and uh, in so many different areas. I think it's really important to have a mentor um, who's a bit older than you. Yeah. Um, and I think it's actually quite important to have a peer mentor as well, um, who might be the same age as you. So you can talk about things that you're going through. Um, so it's good to have some accountability in three different ways. Um, and as well as that, I have a prayer triplet um, with two other guys. Um, and uh, we've been struggling to meet, but we're going to try and meet up next week to pray. And, uh, yeah. and I think that's really good for guys, particularly, and, and you know, anyone, you know, get, anyone. get two yeah. other people, get yeah. two other people, pray every fortnight for each other. Um, that's a really good safety net for you. Yeah, intercessions. Yeah. I just want to say thank you, Patrick Regan, OBE, uh, um, in the house. God bless you and God keep you. And, and again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. You're a blessing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you gained some insights. If you did, please share the show link with other leaders. And don't forget, every Monday, we'll release another episode of the Healthy Church Growth Show.